Well, I'm a little bit hesitant to say Happy New Year because it's just a new year, right? Who knows what's going to happen in 2022? 2021 was supposed to be the year in which everything got back to normal and uh, didn't quite work that way. But anyway, I hope that the year is starting off well for you. Uh, the year began for me with a lost voice, and so I'm a little bit um, um, struggling, but we will do the best that we can. I want to remind you of a couple of Bible reading plans that you can be a part of. Uh, many of you have been a part of the yearly Bible reading calendar, and I know that this has been a kind of a mainstay for a number of you, but we have a few other options this year if you would like to try those out. One of them is by Robbie and Candy Galaxy. It's called F260. Uh, this is the beginning point. We have a book that goes with I don't know where the books ended up. We're trying to locate those. But we do have some books if you want to uh, get one of those. But to start with, this is the plan here. It's designed to be read five days a week. And then if you get behind, you can catch up on the, uh, on the weekend. And there's a little bit of a devotional that goes along with that if you'd like to read that. It tries to hit the highlights of the Bible. Uh, again, if, you, if you're not sure you want to do the yearly Bible reading calendar, you can pick up one of these and start with that. I'll get you through January. But uh, I was reminded yesterday, some of you um, maybe got behind. I know I did in the reading uh, over the holidays. So yesterday, January the 1st, I was finishing up for 2021 of reading through the Bible and finished Revelation and then just turned right back to Genesis. And I thought that's really what a big part of the Christian life is about. You just keep going back over and over and over. Uh, you may be saying, well, why read, why read it if you've been reading it that much and you still don't get it? Um, but I, I, think if, I think if you just keep reading it, you do get it a little bit more. And uh, I will say 15 years straight of reading it, I'm still a long ways from, from getting it all, but it's making more sense the further I go. So I want to invite you to be a part of one of those reading plans or one that you find online. There's so many uh, different ones. And uh, maybe some of you have found one. You can let us know that you think this is just a great, great option. I also want to let you know that two weeks from today, we will have Dr. Jimmy Draper in our church. Uh, some of you will know that name. Many of you do not. Uh, Dr. Draper was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was a very well-known pastor, very well-esteemed. Uh, he also became the CEO of what was then the Sunday School Board. He led in the name change to one that you're familiar with, Lifeway. And uh, he will be here for one day on Sunday. Uh, Lane and I built a relationship with him last year. We had the opportunity to be on a, a Zoom call with him, uh, facilitated by our executive director here at the Golden Triangle. And uh, there weren't that many people on there. And, and Lane and I were going through one of his books, and uh, we were talking about that. And he remembered our name. He wrote us notes. Uh, just a really good guy. So it was an incredibly big long shot for him to come here that we thought we would ask anyway. And so he will be here for one day because of his wife's uh, physical condition. Uh, they're going to fly in Sunday morning, and we'll have a Sunday morning service, a Sunday afternoon service, uh, and then we will fly him back back home. But I hope that you will take the opportunity to, to be here. I'm going to have Bert Brown talk to you about Jimmy Draper next week because of his connection with him. How many of you know who Jimmy Draper is, by the way? How many of you do not? And it's, it's most of us don't. And this is, this is just an absolute legend among Southern Baptists. And I've asked him to come and speak to us just to say, would you try God's power to, to just light a fresh fire within our church as you come to speak? He's about, I think Dr. Draper's about 85. That'll turn some of you off. Uh, what does an old man have to say? A lot. He is a brilliant, godly man. So I hope he'll be here. Um, 
when I lost my voice, I, I thought, number one, I can't preach. Uh, and that was a good thing for some of you. But, but then I started thinking, what if God lost his voice? Well, that's impossible, right? But it is possible for us to struggle at hearing him sometimes. And that's why I wanted to lead us to a time of, of prayer in preparation for what we hope will be, even though it's just a, a one day, we call it a revival service. It's not necessarily any guarantee of revival, but we're pray, praying for revival to take place. But as we think about that, I think about some of the times, one of the, one of the real draws to coming to Westgate 24 years ago was you did not have a New Year's Eve watch night party. Anybody familiar with those? I was, I was so thrilled, I, I threw my hand in, in to say, yes, call me if you don't have a watch night service, because for ten and a half years over, at, it was really ten, you can't count the half year, but when I was over at previous church in Gulf Meadows, loved the congregation, the people, the ministry that we had there, but they had this long-standing tradition of a watch night party. And if you've not been to one, how many of you don't know what a watch night party is? You just, you, okay, I have no clue. All right, let me tell you. You're, you're the beneficiaries here. You, you have benefited by not knowing what it is like. Um, you go to church, the fellowship hall, and, uh, and get to about 7 o'clock, and you play games, and you eat sweets for five hours. And then at midnight, you come together in the sanctuary, and you, you play a little music, and you pray in the new year. And then about 12.30 or so, you, you drive home with a sugar rush and completely just sleep-deprived and worn out. And uh, I remembered, I, I counted it such a big win in my leadership and pastoring there, is the year that I was able to get them to celebrate the New Year Eastern Time. So we got to go home at 11.30 instead of 12.30. And... Um, I, I just, I laughed about that. I mean, good folks, but the boy is tough. But it was ironic that we would play games for five hours, then we'd pray for about 15, praying in the new year. But that's a great way to begin the new year, is to pray and seek God. And so today, we're going we're gonna to spend some time praying together. I want to lead you in directed prayer. I know some of you are very uh, disappointed that I don't have some wonderful New Year's uh, information, inspiration along those lines. I'll give you something that a friend of mine told me. He lost an inordinate amount of weight. So impressed is the new condition. Asked him how he's doing that. And he said, I try to miss as many meals as I can. It's a great strategy right there. So you can take that home. Try to miss as many meals as you can if you're trying to lose weight. In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Announce a time of fasting call the people together for a solemn assembly and cry out to the Lord your God. That's what I hope that we can do this morning. I know it's catching all of us kind of flat-footed because we didn't come to church to have a, a concerted time of prayer. We came to, to, to worship like we normally do and to hear a message from God's Word, but I pray that we can leverage God's Word as an avenue for connecting with God through prayer today. Announce a time of fasting. Well, we didn't do that. Call the people together for a solemn assembly. We didn't do that. But we can cry out to the Lord our God. As the minor prophet of Joel reminds us, and he's just speaking to a people that needed a fresh touch from God. So this morning we will take 
three different segments, and we will just look at Scripture and talk about it briefly. Then we will pray uh, together. You can pray on your knees, or you can stand up, or you can just pray seated where you are. The first is a call for repentance. In In Joel chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. There's always the idea that time is just going to continue. We all really anticipated that we would be celebrating Betty White's 100th birthday. But it didn't work out that way. There's not always going to be time to cry out to the Lord, to turn to Him. Turn to me now while there is time. It's a call for repentance to God's people. That's one of the strongest messages of Scripture as you read through. You find that over and over and over, God's Word calls us to repent dozens of times throughout the Bible. The word repent is used, and sometimes it's calling God's people to repent, and then sometimes it's saying because you refuse to repent, then you will experience the consequences of your rebellion against God. What do we have to repent of? Well, Americans were asked where they would stack up on Santa's list, would they be on the, the nice side or the naughty side? And here's what Americans said based upon their behavior. 75% of us say we would be in the nice column. 13% confessed that they would probably be on the naughty side, but here's the one that got me. is 12% really weren't sure. They didn't really think that they were nice, but they didn't want to put themselves in with a bag of coal so they weren't really sure. I don't know if the same percentages might be thought of in our own lives. If we casually think about repentance, we think, well, I haven't stolen anything lately. I haven't killed anybody. I think I'm good. But what does God's Word say about repentance? What are the things that we are called to repent from? Some of them are dying to self. And I'll just be transparent with you. That's one that I'm really fighting against right now, is dying to self. To be thinking less of myself, to be less concerned about myself. To put God at the forefront, so it doesn't matter what happens to me. Maybe we might need to repent of seeking God in, a, in an erroneous way. The people of Joel's day thought they were fine, though they weren't. We think about Jamin Goggin. He has written a book called The Love Dust. It's co-authored with uh, Lee Strobel's son, Kyle. And in the introduction, he's kind of setting up the way that the book will go. And I, I wanted to read this quote to you. And just take a moment to process it for a second, okay? Because I think, I think many times, I know in my life, this is the way that I approach God. It says, I clearly focused more on the other gifts than the gift of God himself. Rather than his presence, I wanted a felt experience, a sense of personal growth. But I made the mistake of sin, which always seeks to turn God's presence into a mechanism or resource to make my life better. That's a pretty predominant problem in the American church today. Because Jesus is an add-on to make our life better, to facilitate more of what we desire. And we look to him more as a resource rather than 
a relationship. When we look to him as a relationship, the resources will come. Maybe not the, the financial or the physical resources that we want, but the resource of hope, just as, as, as Warren alluded to a moment ago, we're not promised tomorrow, but we are promised tomorrow with the Lord. So I think sometimes we might find that we are leaning on God more as a resource than a, a relationship with him. Is there anything that we need to repent of? How prevalent is it in Scripture? When John the Baptist began his ministry, that's the very first thing that he said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. When Jesus started his ministry, and Matthew and Mark both record the same thing, the very first thing that Jesus said as he began his ministry was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus was giving the parable of the rich man in Luke chapter 16, and he is on the other side of the death experience. He's in Hades. He's calling out for someone to go back to minister to his brothers so that they won't end up in the same place. And he asks Abraham to send somebody back so that they will repent. The man in Hades is saying, would you send somebody back so my brothers will repent and not end up here? When Peter was preaching the sermon at Pentecost, the people said, after he was finished, what? So what are we supposed to do? What was Peter's response? Repent. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, the early church is beginning to form and start. A crippled man is healed. Everybody is baffled and surprised about the experience. And Peter begins to speak to them about what eternal life is about, and he says, Repent. Your sins will be wiped away, and you will experience times of refreshing. When Paul was preaching at Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he turned to the people who were so well-educated, so interested in religious ideas. He said to them, you know now, right? Repent. If you did go through Revelation recently, you saw the seven churches. Two of them, Smyrna and Philadelphia, were not rebuked by the Lord. But seven times to the other five churches, Jesus says, repent. I don't know where you are with the Lord. I hope in a great place. But I know in my life there's things I need to repent of. And every time I say that publicly, there is that image management of you're wondering, what are you doing? I'm not loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And that's the greatest sin of all. To feel like God is not where He needs to be in my life. I'm seeking God. But there's things that I need to repent of. How about you? So let's take a few moments to follow the counsel of God's Word and repent. Simply means to turn away from anything that is taking your focus off of God. So John would say when he was writing, end of his life, he said, little children, don't let anything take your eyes off of Christ. So let's pray. Pray a word of repentance. I'm going to ask that someone in the congregation would just pray over us, just to voice a prayer of repentance. Don't know who you are, but God would just touch your heart. The voice of prayer for our church and for us individually, that we would repent.
Lord, we know on our very best day we have something to confess, to repent of. If all of our life was experienced like the very best day of our life, you still would have had to die on the cross to redeem us from our sinfulness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have eyes, ears, and open hearts, palms up, anything in our lives that you are calling us away from, to repent. Anything that turns us in the opposite direction of you. And we know it, it can be almost anything. Maybe we've just disregarded you. Taking you lightly. Assumed you would always be there. Assumed we're right. Give us repentance heart, repentant hearts, Lord.
hearts that are turned toward you. It wouldn't be our greatest need if you hadn't started your ministry by saying, repent. You know that's what we need. Just as Peter described, when we repent, that's when we experience times of refreshing. Lead us to that, we pray. Thank you for this wonderful church and these good people. Dear friends, God, don't let any of us leave here without a repentant heart, we pray. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25 and 27, it calls for a plea of restoration. I will give you back what you lost to the locusts. And if you read through Joel, you have these incredible plagues of locusts coming through, just devastating everything. I don't know how many times I've prayed this prayer, this Lord restore what the locusts have taken. Then you will know that I alone am the Lord your God. These last 20 plus months, we've lost a lot, haven't we? What if we lost normal? What if normal is gone forever? Can we be okay with that? Maybe that's what we need to repent of is we're holding out for things to get back to the way they were. But what if God wants to do a new thing as we saw on the screen earlier? When we were up visiting my mom this weekend, that's not going to get any better. Some things just don't get better. Maybe God wants to do something new. While we were there, we were driving around, and um, we saw the old house when I was just a little kid on Van Ness in Dallas, just a little bit north of, of Love Field. Little 1,000-square-foot home, and uh, there it sits in the midst of all these big homes that are going up, and it's uh, one of those renovation projects where people are coming in to one of the, the lower economic areas in Dallas, and they're... They're buying small houses and they're tearing them down and they're building bigger ones. Drove down that street of all those little houses that aren't little houses anymore. Big houses from where my friends and I used to run around on that street all those years ago. It had a tinge of sadness. The old was going away. I can't believe they're tearing down a 1,000 square foot home with one bathroom and no air conditioning. Who wouldn't want that? only to build something that is a whole lot nicer. We've driven around with my mom through Dallas. Not a single home that we've lived in now stands. What if God wants to do something new? What if he doesn't want to take us back to where we have been, but he wants us to take, wants to take us to someplace brand new? A restoration. And what if he wants to do something new in someone else's life? So we have this plea of restoration. I want us to pray for our friends over at Calvary. One of the most influential churches in the Golden Triangle is going through some travails right now. Those are friends of ours. That's a sister church. Those are brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to pray for healing. The world is always watching how Christians address adversity and conflict in their lives. We want to pray for healing. We want to pray for restoration. That God would do a work in their lives.
that God would do something new and fresh in our individual lives, the life of our church. So let's pray. A plea of restoration. I will give back what you lost to the locusts. Then you will know that I alone am the Lord your God. So let's pray. Someone just lead us in a prayer. This plea for restoration as we all pray together. Lord, we humbly acknowledge that many times what you desire to restore, your definition of restoration is something brand new. Lord, we think of you standing in the temple compound, the majestic wonder of the world in which four decades were invested in building this monstrosity of a temple 
And you said, I'm about to restore everything to the way it's supposed to be. We recognize that restoration isn't taking us back to a season or a time or a day or an event. But your picture of restoration is taking us back to before the fall, to restoring us to right relationship with you, and that could only be done through Jesus Christ. And we recognize that so many within this world are broken and lost without you. The greatest need of their life is to be restored into relationship with you. Lord, we know that churches, individuals, need to be restored. and So we call out as a sister church for our friends at Calvary. God, we know that some think one is right and the other is wrong and vice versa. Lord, as Tony Evans used to say so well, you didn't come to take sides, you came to take over. And I pray, Lord, that your power of restoration would take over in that church. And what seems like a no-win situation, Lord, you would turn that, as you say in Romans 8.28, that you would redeem it in such a way that you would bring good out of bad. We pray for revival and awakening, and indeed we pray that that would be the outcome. That would be the restoration. Bring healing, we ask. Lord, some in this room have experienced loss, it feels like locusts just completely stripping everything from their lives. And you tell us you are the God of restoration. We think of David writing in the 23rd Psalm that you restore our soul. For those that feel like they have lost everything, God, might you restore their soul. Restore their confidence in hope in you. Restore that relationship with you. Lord, I pray for the many that have walked at a distance within our church. During this season of the pandemic, their attention has turned elsewhere. That you would restore them into fellowship with their brothers and sisters in Christ, and not just for our church, but churches everywhere. We would see the powerful need of being together, not only to worship, but to encourage each other, to demonstrate to one another how we are trying to die to self to follow after you seeking to make the needs of others more important than the needs of ourselves. So cleanse us, we pray, Lord, and restore us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Finally, in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 35, it says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. And anyone who, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You remember that, that Peter alluded to that in his sermon at Pentecost. Have you slowed down on praying for spiritual awakening? I have, and that's part of what I need to repent of. Remember, through much of the pandemic, I said we were going to pray for spiritual awakening, but spiritual awakening would take place everywhere the virus is gone. And I've slowed down on doing that, and I need to repent of that, because we need to continue to pray for spiritual awakening and revival not just in our land, but throughout the world. We've experienced a global pandemic. Everybody can talk about it. Everybody can tell you how it needs to be fixed and how it could be fixed. What we need more than anything else is spiritual, global awakening. Cry for revival. Do you want revival in Westgate?
Do you want revival in your own life? Do you want revival in Americans throughout the world? Wouldn't the world be a better place if everybody followed hard after Christ? It certainly would. Wouldn't the world be better if I followed hard after Christ? Amen. Let's cry out for revival. I'm going to ask you to join me if you're, if you're able to get down on your knees to pray for revival. Uh, you don't have to, but if you want to, any of you want to come to the front, this is a kind of as a visual for all of us. We are praying and crying out for God to do a fresh work within our lives. So let's, let's pray together, and I trust that a couple of you this time, just a couple of you would, would voice a prayer as we cry out for revival. Mm-hmm.